Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And we come to you after the Red Storm suffer their fourth Big East loss of the season. They fall to 12-6 and six on the year and more importantly now 1-4. and four in the conference after a 63-58 to 58 loss on the road against the Friars of Providence. The fourth loss of the Big East season for St. John's, the third coming on the road, and yet another game where it felt like the game was there, where it felt like Providence didn't really do a whole lot in this game that impressed you, uh, much like that game from Xavier a couple of weeks ago, where you know the opponent didn't really intimidate you, the opponent wasn't really hitting their shots, Providence shot only 35% from the field tonight, worse than St. John's, they shot only 23% from three-point range, again, worse than St. John's, they were not getting to the, they were not hitting a lot of their free throws, uh, the offensive rebounding was big, obviously, but Providence was not hitting a lot of their shots. They were not shooting lights out. They were missing open shots. Uh, They never really gotten much of a flow on offense either, yet St. John's can take advantage of that, and St. John's ends up losing this game by five and losing another game that felt like it was winnable on the road in the Big East to drop to one and four now. What does it all mean for the Red Storm? It's looking like this thing could now kind of snowball a little bit, and I'll get to that in a second. I, I want to talk first, obviously, about about this loss specifically and, and where it puts the Red Storm now. Like I said, you know, Providence did not do a whole lot in this game that impressed you if you were a St. John's fan. You know, and obviously you're not watching Providence every single game. You know, there are going to be games like Georgetown last week when we did a show where Georgetown is on their game and St. John's is off their game and you lose a game by 20. There are going to be nights where it's not your night. You know, we've seen that. And then St. John's really had their first one against Georgetown last week. And if you lose those games, then you say, you know what? We lost that one. We didn't play a good game at all. They played well, tip their cap and move on. The ones like this are a little harder to to get by and a little harder to kind of put in the rear of your mirror. Because while St. John certainly didn't play well in this game, it's not like Providence ever took control of this game. Uh, it's not like Providence, like I said, they just did not do anything really that impressed you throughout this game or that made you think that they were going to overpower St. John's in this game. The entire game, really up until the final you know, minute or so, it felt like St. John's could win this game. But yet again, uh, they're unable this time to execute down the stretch and uh, unable to get a couple of stops. And they run a a really just a terrible play. Obviously, that wasn't what Mike Anderson drew up, but a a terrible play uh, with a chance to tie the game late. And uh, and and they fall to now one and four in the conference. But but like I said, it's the ones like this where where you just you feel like you were in the game all the way through. Providence is 4-1 in the conference, give them credit, but they don't look like an NCAA tournament team. They don't look like a team that's going to end up at the top of this conference. They look like a team that's going to come back down to earth, especially with the schedule that they have coming up. So they didn't do a whole lot that 
impressed you or like I said that made you think that they were in another class than St. John's you know you look at that that Butler and Seton Hall game from earlier to earlier tonight or earlier Wednesday night depending on when you listen to this you look at that game those two teams look like they are in a different class than St. John's right now and that very well may be the case when St. John's plays Seton Hall in a couple of days from now over the weekend that it, they're just on a different level than you and you tip your cap and you try to play your best game that you can in a game like this one though where it felt pretty even and although you were almost six-point underdogs in this game, you were in the game the entire way through, and Providence never took control, and Providence really couldn't hit an open shot, uh, mind you, as well, this one hurts a little bit more, and this one is a little bit more concerning now uh, for the Red Storm as they go further into Big East play. And it all starts, though, with the two guys who were expected to be the leaders of this team, the veterans on this team, and the two guys that were expected, I thought, to put in, you know, 35, 40 points a game for this team. And that's Mustafa Heron and LJ Figueroa. We'll start with Heron. Picks up those two fouls really right away in this game. Again, it seems like every single Big East game, it's either been Heron or Figueroa who's picking up two fouls in the first five minutes of the game. I don't understand it. This game, it was Heron. A little bit of a questionable call for him to pick up his second, but it is what it is. He sits really the remainder of the first half then at that point. Um, Doesn't score in the first half. Finally seems to get a little bit of a rhythm as he comes back in for the second half. Uh, Hits a three, makes a four-point play. Hits a nice jumper, I think, to start the half as well. Felt like he was getting his rhythm, but picked up his third foul. And then picked up just a, a terrible terrible fourth foul in a three-on-one scenario uh, where they had a three-on-one fast break and he gets called for a charge. I thought it was a charge, but questionable call or not, no matter what you think of that call, that's a terrible job by Mustafa Heron there to pick up your fourth foul that early, especially when you're finally playing well for really the first time in all of Big E's play since you've returned. You finally seem like you got a little bit of a rhythm going and then you pick up a fourth foul like that and you have to sit virtually the rest of the game. And he did come in later in the game and I, I want to uh, I want to see. I haven't looked up uh, Mike Anderson's press conference yet. I want to see why Heron uh, didn't return until so late in the game. But again, just a disappointing night from him and an underwhelming night of, from him in what's been an underwhelming return really since his injury in what's turning out to be somewhat of an underwhelming career in, uh, in St. John's from Mustafa Aaron, but a little too early to put that uh, marker on him yet. There's a lot of season left. You hope that he can eventually find his rhythm, but right now he is just killing them. And another guy who absolutely killed St. John's tonight was their other expected leader, LJ Figueroa. LJ shoots four of 17 from the field tonight. He scores 12 points. He does grab nine rebounds. He does get five steals. That was all nice and good, but four of 17 from the field and two of 12 from three-point range, excuse me, was LJ Figueroa, two of 12. And a lot of these were forces. A lot of these were contested shots that he should not have been taking. And I know that the St. John's half-court offense has not been good this season. So sometimes LJ kind of gets put in a situation where he has to force one. But some of these were just awful, especially down the stretch. Awful, awful shot selection by LJ Figueroa. And if you're going to shoot that many threes, you got to make a couple of them. You you have to. And I, I understand where it's coming from from him. You know, the, the, the performance is disappointing. Because he's been he's been really really bad in Big East play too, along with Heron. I don't know who's been more disappointing in Big East play, Figueroa or Heron. 
But I and I but I understand where it's coming from because this team is just so poor in the half court. There were possessions in, in that in this game where the ball didn't even get in past the, the three-point line until there was about five seconds left to shoot. It feels like the only guy who's able to get to the rim consistently is Rasheem Dunn. Heron can't do it. Figure, uh, Rutherford's not really been doing it. Marcellus Erlington, maybe. No one else off the bench, though. And LJ Figueroa, all that he's able to do is that little floater that he's about three for his last 57 shooting that shot, but he keeps shooting it over and over again. And so I, but I understand where it's coming from with him because he's, he's pressing. He knows that the offense is running through him and it's not working out right now. And there's just not a whole lot of options on this offense right now that's really, really struggling. But he just needs to be better. And it just comes down to making shots. But at some point, you got to have a better shot selection than he is. And some of those shots were bad. And he's going to force some shots. I understand that. But some of these were just terrible in this game. And when your two best players combine to shoot three of 16 from three-point range, and when your two best players combine to shoot six of 26 overall in a game... And when your two best players who, like I said, you came into the season thinking that these guys were going to score 35, 40 points combined a night, when they go out and score 20 a night, it's it's damn near impossible to win a game, especially on the road in the conference. It's, it's, it's damn near impossible to think that you can get a road win when those two guys combine to have the performance that they do. And it, and it shows how the rest of this team is not playing all that bad. When you're only losing these games by a couple of points and you're in these games all the way through when these two guys are underperforming so terribly. Thought uh, Rasheem Dunn had a nice game though. 11 points, 6 rebounds, couple of steals. He shot well. Greg Williams I thought had a really nice game. Hit a couple of threes. Uh, had some nice plays. Felt like he was attacking the basket a little bit more. Marcellus Erlington is, has really been the MVP of uh, of Biggie's play so far. Ten more points from him on five of eight shooting. Uh, really good job from him. But St. John's did get bullied on the uh, on the offensive glass. They allowed 15 offensive rebounds. They were out rebounded 46 to 34. And um, yeah, they got they got bullied down the stretch. St. John's let Alpha Diallo kind of take over the game a little bit too much. Um. I'm curious why Josh Roberts didn't really play all that much. And like everyone else, I'm curious what Ian Steer needs to do to get in the game. Uh, uh, I would guess that he's not in shape or he is not in game game ready or he's not ready to fit this system because I, I don't see any other reason why he wouldn't be playing in a game like this when Providence has so much size and has that size advantage. Not really sure why he wasn't playing, but I'm, I'm going to assume that there was a reason for that. But... It's a disappointing loss for St. John's now, and it, and it 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 really now looks like it could kind of spiral into something really really bad that you don't want. You're one in four right now. Your only win is at home against DePaul. You face Seton Hall now over the weekend. Then you go on the road, Marquette and DePaul. Then you play Villanova at home. This this could get out of control for St. John's if they don't. They they gotta start making some shots and they gotta get Figueroa and Heron going. Because you look right now and you are one in four, and you've got a tough couple of games coming up now. I mean, every game in this conference is gonna be tough. We know that. But Seton Hall, Marquette, DePaul, Villanova is a tough four-game stretch. And it's especially tough when you're now one and four and you're about to be reeling 
with a couple more losses in the conference. It, it's tough. And these losses, I mean, I mean, those first two games up in the Big East play, I think are going to really hurt this team. That that Butler game, where you see what Butler is. That Butler game, though, that they they had the lead late, had a five point lead late, and couldn't close it out. And then that Xavier game, where you're seeing Xavier is not a very good team, and Xavier did nothing in that game that really really scared you, or really really intimidated. Just like Providence tonight, Xavier did nothing in that game. You lost that one. Just win one of those two. And you're two and three right now, and the vibes is a lot different. But you're one and four now. You've done not a whole lot to show that you can win on the road. And you got two more road games coming right up now after after this game against Seton Hall. Two more games on the road. They gotta figure it out. But but the two guys that have to figure it out, LJ Figueroa and Mustafa Heron, gotta get it going for this team. They have to. Or else they're gonna go nowhere. I mean, if the if those two guys, because because the rest of the team is not playing terribly, I'll say that the rest of the team is doing what they need. They're getting contributions from Erlington. They're getting nice plays tonight from Greg Williams. Rasheem Dunn is doing his job as a starter now. Julian Champagny seems like he's kind of refound that form. So they're getting contributions from everyone else, but it comes down to Figueroa and it comes down to Heron. And they got to cut it out with the foul trouble early in games. They got to stop that. And they just got to make some shots and make some plays and be the playmakers that St. John's thought they were going to be. It all comes down to those two guys. And right now, neither one of them is getting it done. And if they don't figure it out quick, St. John's is is staring at a 4-14. At a and 14. If those two guys can't figure it out quick, they're staring at a at a one and eight start, and they're staring at a four and fourteen Big East Big East season under Mike Anderson. They really are. If those two guys, it just it comes down to those two guys, because you're getting enough from the rest of the team. But we'll see. And it, it starts against Seton Hall, a game that you're going to be heavy underdogs in, especially coming off that big win for Seton Hall. It starts there though. Got to get more out of those two guys, and that's that's really all it comes down to got to get more out of those two guys all right now let's kick it to our interview for the show we're going to be joined by recurring guest kevin Connolly of wsju radio he was on the call for the game and he's going to help us break down the loss tonight at providence so hope you guys enjoy all right i'm now joined by kevin Connolly of wsju radio he was on the call from rhode island tonight for the loss in the Dunkin' Donuts Center. He got to witness that poor, poor game firsthand. I'm sorry for, for uh, having to do that, Kevin. But I have a big I have a big question for you to start it off. What did you think of the new uniforms? You know, when we, when we first got to the arena and I saw, like, the blue shorts, I'm like, have they worn blue this year? Mm-hmm. And I like them. But, I mean, I guess you could say now, since it's the first time they wore them this year, they're 0-1 in those uniforms. So I don't know if they want to keep wearing them going forward. Oh, yeah. They're, they're like bad luck, the blue ones, you know, I guess. Yeah. But uh, but it, it, I don't think the uniforms really mattered all that much because St. John's couldn't hit a shot tonight. Um, let, let's start there. I mean, to, to me, the loss, it, it goes through their, their top two players, Heron and Figueroa. Neither one of them could hit a shot tonight. Uh, Heron was obviously in foul trouble. It feels like one of them is always in foul trouble. Tonight it was Heron, and Figueroa was just awful. Um, do you kind of feel that way too? Like it, it really falls on those two guys almost? 
I think it does because everyone else has really produced. I mean, Josh Roberts had a not great night, even to Nick Rutherford. Mm-hmm. But it, it comes down to your two best players having to make big plays in close games and conference play. Um, I thought Heron got it going in the second half. And the, when he picked up his fourth foul on the charge, I mean, I said it on the broadcast. I tweeted it out. I mean, that was an absolutely horrific call. Um, that could have put him at a chance uh, at the line for a chance for two mm-hmm. instead of put him on put him on the bench with I think even before like the under sixteen media timeout or four fouls. Mm-hmm. I mean that was that was arguably a game changing call right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just a couple possessions before that he had his four point play and he was really st- I, to me at least he was really starting to get in the rhythm mm-hmm. and I think that took him out and then. From four minutes on, Figueroa was just settling for way too many yeah. deep threes that that were not needed at all. And it comes down to it: you can't have Heron shoot two for nine and Figueroa four for seventeen mm-hmm. and expect to win on the road. Exactly. I, I said the same exact thing in my in my open. Those two guys, you know, the shooting obviously and combining for nineteen points. You need like thirty-five to forty from them every night to be competitive, and especially when you're getting points out of the rest of the lineup, like you mentioned, it, it's tough to see that. Um, for Figueroa, do you look at it as he's he's almost pressing because the offense is is really struggling in the half court? I mean, a lot of his bad shots and a lot of his misses were obviously three pointers that felt like they were just forces. Like you said, he was settling a lot. Do you feel like some of that is just him pressing because he knows that there's not a whole lot of options on offense, especially with Heron struggling? I think it's a combination of a lot of things that what you just said is, is very true. I mean, with Heron on the bench, he says he, he's assuming all right, I have to take on a bigger scoring role and he's trying just to get shots up and up and up. And sometimes they go in and it's great, but nights like tonight when he's 4 of 17 and 2 of 12 from three-point range, it, it's not that great. And then also factor in, no one really knew who LJ Figueroa was last year. Yep. And he was able to move freely. People needed to direct their attention onto Shimori Pons. Now you have people directing their attention to LJ Figueroa and Mustafa Heron. And I think Figaro is not adjusting to how, how to be a better playmaker when defenses are focusing on him. And you have players like Rasheem Dunn, Marcellus Erlington, giving you great minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and he's just not able to maybe make that extra pass to them. He's settling for that long three or he's going on a contested floater. He's just not being that great playmaker he could be. Um, to elevate this team to another level. Mm-hmm. You, you bring up an interesting point there, and I, I had this conversation last week with uh, my guest John Cavanaugh. Is, is does it feel like you know when last year obviously Figueroa and Heron they had uh, Shamori Pons, they had Marvin Clark, they had Justin Simon, all guys that could put their head down and score or hit an open shot. Do you feel like Figueroa and Heron especially? are just better suited being, you know, twos and threes, the second and third option to the third and fourth option instead of the number one and the number two or the number one and the number one A? Do you feel like that's just kind of what it is and and there's nothing they can really do to fix that? I I think it is. And I think this year is the perfect example, just their transformation from last year to this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, projecting them at the next level, I don't think either of them turns into a a star on an NBA team. And I don't mean that in any disrespect, but I mean, that's what it really comes down to is they're not, they they were probably number ones on their respective high school teams. Mm -hmm. I mean, Heron was an under the radar, big time player at Auburn, Mm -hmm. uh, Figueroa obviously had his success at the JUCO level, 
and maybe he was a number one there, but you're not you're not you're not playing the caliber of teams you are in Division One basketball, and specifically the Big East. Yep. And yeah, they're not number one A and one Bs. You're just number ones on a team. They're better suited as twos. And also, I mean, it doesn't help that there's no shooting around them, which would able which would be able to space the floor on offense and create more driving lanes. I mean, that, that's that's just yeah. a negative in itself with the team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the lack of of, of help really kills them. What I mean, what can be done? Is there any? I mean, besides just just make open shots. You know, they shot six of twenty two again from three point range, twenty two of fifty eight from the field. Besides just you know making your shots and hitting the open shots, is there anything that they can do offensively? I, I personally feel like they play too too much on the perimeter. The ball does not go inside enough. It feels like I don't know why you would ever not play zone against St. John's because they they seem to want to settle a lot. But is there anything that can be done that you're seeing calling these? games that they can do you know to to somewhat mitigate these scoring woes that they've been having well specifically tonight against providence i thought lj figueroa should have been the man at the free throw line against the zone i mean the easiest way to beat a zone is to get the ball in the middle yep um and and they didn't do that a lot they worked Mm -hmm. it around the perimeter yeah and and tried to settle for outside jumpers there you got to get the ball into the middle of the zone and then pass to the perimeter out of the middle they didn't do that a lot i like i know julian champagne was a lot in the middle of the zone mm-hmm. i would like to see figueroa there um but other than and you, you talk about going down low i mean they don't have a post score and and that hurts them i mean marcellus erlington is it, it has been arguably their most consistent player yeah. in big east play and he's a player that gets a lot of his points on the extra pass down low or an offensive rebound um, he, he's not a player that can create his own offense off the dribble or uh, backing someone down in the post, and, mm-hmm. and that's just a, a, a talent deficiency this team has. Yep. Um, and in order to be successful, they have to be uh, clicking from the perimeter, and you saw that in games um, against West Virginia and against Arizona when they were um, barely able to hold on in both those games. And uh, just not to go off tangent here, but mm-hmm. in those two games... They won on Rasheem Dunn getting to the basket, yeah. drawing a foul, getting to the free throw line, and they won on Nick Rutherford driving to the basket and putting a layup in over Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely. Um, the uh, the decision to obviously Heron with the fourth foul had to come out in that that stage of the game didn't return until really the last you know play of the game. We saw Mike Anderson do that with LJ Figueroa early in the year, but. It seemed like it made a little bit more sense in that Butler game for Figueroa to say stick out when they were making the run. Uh, did Mike Anderson give any sort of reasoning, and did you agree with keeping Heron out really for virtually the entire the entire second half, as when he sat most of the first half as well? I, I, I agreed with it to an extent because he had four fouls and he had to go to the bench. Yeah, I don't blame him for putting him back on the floor with I think that was at ten seconds to go mm-hmm. because statistically he's one of your best. Your, your best three-point shooter. Um, Anderson said in his post-game press conference that the plan was to get to the basket and distribute to a shooter um, and try to draw the defense in to look for an open look. Okay. And I don't mind that I don't mind that play. No. But watch it, watching it in real time, um, I, I knew what Heron was trying to do. He thought uh, the defender was in on him, touching him, and he was trying to draw 
uh, the foul and go to the free throw line, mm-hmm. and it just backfired completely. And yeah. didn't even give St. John's a chance. Yeah, and I don't get the thought process even before that. I mean, that play was was terrible as well. Even before that, I think it was Rasheem Dunn. You have about 25 seconds, and they let like 15 seconds run off the clock there. I would have taken the quick two and just tried to extend that game, extend that game. It seemed like they let so much time run off the clock, and they did the same thing against Butler, you know? Yeah, they did, um, and... Again, like not, I'm not privy to that information of what the what they drew up yeah. um, in previous timeouts or in that timeout. Um, but but it, it is confusing, uh, and I don't again I don't know what they were thinking before calling that timeout. Um, I think it was ultimately smart to call a timeout, but yeah. still, t- ten seconds is, is a lot of time at the end of a basketball game. Mm-hmm. Only down three. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, when you get to that ten second range. And note that then when they call that timeout, they didn't have any left. Yeah. So you kind of had to go for a three in that situation. But they, they didn't even get that. They got a, a wild shot on Heron thinking it was going to draw a foul and he didn't come close. Yeah, they just they put themselves in a bad spot almost. Um, Erlington, like you said, had, had a pretty good game. I, I feel like he's been their, their, like you said, their best, most consistent uh, Big East player so far. Uh, Roberts was up and down, but he, he's been okay so far. But St. John's really got bullied on the glass tonight. Uh, 15 offensive rebounds for Providence. They were out-rebounded by 12 in this game as well. Um, seems like tonight they really could have just used the body of and the size of Ian Steer. Any reason that, that you might have why he's not playing or anything that Mike Anderson has said? What's your thoughts on that? I, I feel like there's got to be a reason why he hasn't cracked this lineup. I, I, I mean, Mike Anderson is big on earning your minutes through practice yeah so maybe he hasn't said anything about ian steer but maybe it's because he's just not playing well in practice i mean i've noticed steer's body language on the bench um in the loss to georgetown and the win against DePaul. yeah and he's been gone he look his body language looks like he wants no part of being in the arena at all once he realizes he's probably not going to get mm-hmm. into the game i agree we had, a, we had a little bit of an obstructed view um due to the stanchion on the basket to the St. John's bench tonight, so mm-hmm. I wasn't really able to focus on that. Mm-hmm. But specifically in the loss to Georgetown, where he did get a few minutes, um, and DePaul, when he didn't play at all, his body language was just horrible on the bench. And, mm-hmm. I mean, coaches noticed that, assistants noticed that. I knew I noticed David Carraher in the Georgetown game trying to just keep him in the huddle. I mean, Sear wasn't even paying attention in, in timeouts. Mm-hmm. Carraher was trying to keep him focused. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it is... A question mark because you figured he could have been uh, like you said a big body to help rebound and provide maybe a low post score for yeah, this team exactly that it desperately needs and he, he just hasn't gotten the minutes and I don't know what that's what you can attribute that to if it is his play in practice but um, yeah I mean I guess we'll have to wait and see um, but time's running out now one and four in Big East play exactly and, and that, that's what I'll let you go on right now uh, one and four uh, I said in my opening, it, it, it's tougher for for the to swallow these losses. It feels like you know a game that much like the Xavier game, this one felt like where Providence didn't really do anything. It felt like where you felt like you were overmatched in this game. Um, you know, Providence never really pulled away in this game, but nonetheless, you're one and four now for St. John's. How, how do they fix it again? Besides just you know making open shots, what can they do to fix it? I I really think that if if Heron and Figueroa can't get going, they could be looking at like a, a two and seven, one and eight uh, type start. So it will, give me a reason for optimism as to how St. John's can figure this out and get back to you know the the middle of the Big East at least. 
I mean, I hate to, to dampen the spirits even more, your listeners, but I really don't have an answer aside from Heron and Figueroa have to play yeah. like star caliber players like they were projected to be and both making the second team um, preseason all Big East team. Mm-hmm. I mean, the loss to Butler kills you because even if you lose this game to Providence, two and three is a whole lot better than one and four. Absolutely. And, then, and this game hurts because you had a chance um, – to tie, take the lead. You had a three-point lead in the second half, couldn't expand on it. You had a three-point lead, and they went on, I think, like an 8-0 run. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, like, this game hurts. But I, I, I said it as soon as they lost. Uh, you can't have a 28-point turnaround in a half and end up losing that game. Mm-hmm. Um, the Butler loss hurts. Yep. And, and things don't get easier because since he's been back from his injury, Miles Powell is clearly in the National Player of the Year conversation. Yeah. He's coming to the Garden on Saturday. <laughs> and then you, you, I think after that, you go on the road to face Marquette and DePaul. Yeah. So things don't get easier, and St. John's needs its stars, Mustafa Heron and LJ Figueroa, to show up and figure things out because they're getting contributions, as we said earlier, from the role players. And one player we haven't mentioned who I thought played um, really good, has played really good, um, since he's recovered from his back injury, is Greg Williams yeah. Jr. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, ultimately, it comes down to Heron Figueroa. Mm, absolutely, it's I could not have said it better myself. Those two guys, it's going to determine everything. Well, we are uh, we're pushing up on midnight here, so I'll, I'll let you go, man. I appreciate you coming on after calling the game. Uh, you can obviously hear you and all of your colleagues on WSJU Radio all season long. But Kevin Connolly, thank you for coming on, man, and uh, enjoy the rest of your night and your morning as well. Thanks, you too, and uh, anytime. It was my pleasure. All right, have a good one, man. All right, you too. Bye. All right, that's Kevin Connolly from WSJU Radio. Like I said, you can check out him and all of his colleagues all season long on WSJU Radio on the TuneIn app. If you need to download that in the App Store, the, uh, the TuneIn app, WSJU Radio, they do an awesome job. Uh, calling most almost every game for the Red Storm as well and going to road games as this one as well. So good job by Kevin, and you can check him out all season long. But uh, we'll wrap up this show, a little bit of a look ahead. We'll do another show next week as well. Uh, maybe a Periscope after the Seton Hall game. Not not quite sure yet, but possibly. And, uh, yeah, you know, like we said at the end there, Heron Figueroa, got to figure it out for the Red Storm if they're if they're going to do anything this season and if they're going to save this season from being a disaster in Big East play those two guys got to get it going and maybe maybe just maybe it'll start on Saturday at the Garden against one of their bigger rivals uh, Miles Powell and the Seton Hall Pirates who are riding high after taking down Butler on Wednesday night but we will see about that until then I will uh, I will talk to everyone next week and as always let's go Johnny's <laughs>